I'm Kylie, founder of Akanel Expeditions, the best adventure travel company that you've never heard of. This is a 35,000 feet podcast where we interview interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. From the next big CEO to coaches of your favorite teams to everyone in between, we've got stories to tell. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Courtney. Today I'm sitting down with Coach Luca. He is head coach for women's volleyball at North Carolina State University. We're super excited to sit down and chat with him and get to know him a little bit better. So thanks for joining us, Luca. Thank you for having me. How about you go ahead and tell us about the highs and lows of your current season? As you all know, a lot is going on right now. Mm-hmm. And um, in January, actually early February, I was hired as a new head coach of our NC State volleyball program. While I'm still working for USA Volleyball, currently I'm assistant coach of the women's Olympic team. So uh, Olympics were postponed. Instead of uh, traveling to Japan in July to Tokyo, we're going to sit tight back home and train and work. And hopefully we get to train and work at all. Yeah. on either front, either with NC State or with USA Volleyball. And uh, we're going to go to Tokyo, I guess, next year. There's a lot of, a lot of highs and lows. Um, so we evaluate our previous summer with USA Volleyball, transitioning into 2020 while I was hired for NC State. And now all of this coronavirus and um, Olympics being gone and a lot of adaptation needed uh, because everything is moved online with our student athletes at NC State. And mm-hmm. same with USA Volleyball athletes. Everything is based on what we're doing right now, using different yeah, social channels and um, platforms to communicate, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. it's a good grind. It's a good um, uh, adversity. And it's a good challenge. And we love challenges. Yeah, that's so awesome. And how was, it, how was the season going before all this stuff started happening for you guys? You know, we always plan a lot. Uh, we're trying to have different versions of plan in place. I can talk uh, especially about USA Volleyball. Mm-hmm. I think we're a very organized group. And uh, once I got hired for, uh, with NC State, same thing, a lot of planning. I had a chance to spend a couple of days in uh, a couple of weeks in Raleigh, North Carolina, to actually train with my team before they tell us you're out. Mm-hmm. You have to leave the campus. Student athletes must go home. And until then, I, I thought everything goes kind of according to the plan, even though things never go according to the plan. That's when the how well are we adapting and adjusting comes to place. And I think like everybody else in our business, we've been pretty successful with that. So you obviously have a pretty good career in volleyball going on. How did you get your title to be head coach at NC State, but also to be assistant coach in the Olympics, to the Olympics team? I played, I started playing volleyball in elementary school, uh, throughout high school clubs, club uh, playing for different clubs. And then I got recruited to go play for Brigham Young University in Utah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I played there. I graduated from BYU and um, I was blessed and very happy to be surrounded with amazing coaches, coaches that multiple gold Olympic medals as coaches. And uh, that was my staff, Carl McGowan, Hugh McCutcheon, Troy Tanner. Uh, And uh, they, that kind of led me into thinking back in the days, you know what, I want to be coached someday. But before that, I want to play professional volleyball for a few years. And that's exactly what I did. I went back to Europe after graduation, played volleyball professionally. And then when it was time for me to kind of be done playing because my body was just hurting and I was not just kind of, I was over it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I decided to get into coaching while I was in Europe. 
and I was fortunate enough to get a head coaching job right away with one of the professional teams back home and that led into another good job and being head coach of my Slovenia men's national team and then eventually I received a phone call from Brigham Young University if I would come back and coach their men's team. Okay. I did that and while I was working for BYU, Karski from the women's national team, USA women's national team, reached out if I would love to join, if I would like to join USA team in pursuit of gold medal in Tokyo. Of course, I jumped on board right away. And mm-hmm. while working for Karch, I received a phone call from NC State. And here I am, new head coach of NC State Women's Volleyball Program. Wow, that's so awesome. That's such a cool career to be able to play for yourself and then play um, professionally and then now be able to coach and not only just coach at university, but coach for the Olympic team. That's really awesome. Yeah, it doesn't get better, I think so. <laughs> yeah. and, and where are you from? You said back home um, in Europe. Yeah, I'm from Slovenia. Okay. Born and raised in Slovenia. And uh, like I said, I went to U.S. to my degree, returned back to Europe for another 12 years. And family and I were returned back to U.S. in 2015, straight to Provo, Utah. Like I said, we are, we're a travel company. So we kind of want to chat a little bit about some of your travel experiences. And it sounds like you have a lot of miles behind you. So what would you say your most memorable travel experience has been? I have to say probably I've been around the world more than a few times. Uh, looking at my miles account, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's part of our job. And every time I go to the airport, I'm still like a little kid. One, how can we even take these planes up there? 30,000 feet up there, 35,000 feet up there. Just cruise around the world. I still have those butterflies every time I travel. And I travel a lot. So I'm not used to it yet. I like it a lot. But like I said, within six or seven weeks during the summer with USA, we go to four, five, maybe different continents. So basically every week we're in a different continent, maybe starting in US, we travel to China or Japan, we go to Europe, we go to Brazil or Argentina, and then back to States. That's a very common uh, schedule that we have. So if I have to talk about what was one of the craziest or lately the gnarliest trips it has to be last summer or summer of 2018. We were in China and we need to go to Argentina because we, we just played three matches in China in the middle of nowhere. It's a big city, but for us, it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And now we need to get to Argentina, Buenos Aires. And uh, so we fly to Turkey, Istanbul first. It's about 12-hour flight. Everything goes smoothly. We have three-hour layover. We just get into the lounges, and girls do all the rehabs and treatments, and they eat well, and uh, they try to get some rest. And then we have a uh, 15- or 16-hour flight to Sao Paulo, Brazil, just to refill. Mm -hmm. So we fly over Arabic Peninsula, over Africa, and then uh, to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And we landed for an hour, re- refilled our plane, and we're off to, Sao, uh, to um, Buenos Aires, Argentina. So after 42 hours flying, being up in the air, now we need to get on the bus and mm-hmm. drive another six hours to Santa Fe, Argentina. And uh, the craziest part is we arrived to Buenos Aires and there's a bus driver waiting for us to mm-hmm. take us to our final destination. And he needs to, according to Argentinian law, I guess, 
check in every bag and tag every bag and put every bag on the bus and he's on his own. And we have probably, I don't know, there's a party of 22, 23, so athletes plus support staff. And each of us probably carries two bags, so do the math, roughly 50 bags that this poor guy has to check in on his own and uh, load up and then drive us another six hours in the middle of the night. Uh, so our trip ended up being somewhere probably around 50 hours. Oh. And meanwhile, we're driving in the middle of nowhere, across the Argentina. Uh, there is a toilet back of the bus. Um, and anything you do there comes back to you. So we don't go back there very often. So we got to stop in the middle of nowhere in the dark to relieve ourselves. So it's just an hourly trip that takes us to the hotel that brings us to the hotel like at 5, 6 a.m. in the morning after 50 hours and we're just exhausted. Yeah, but for sure one of the most memorable trips with our crew because uh, we, we started in China and finished in Argentina. Uh, and that's the crazy part of the travel, how fast and quick we can get around the globe. Yeah, that's amazing. Even though it felt like a long trip, it's still amazing to think about how quickly, really, we can go from somewhere completely across the world to somewhere else. So that's amazing that we have that ability to do that. Yeah, yeah and to understand the life of the, I would say, elite athlete is that you travel for, let's say, 48, 49, 50 hours like that. In a in a three day times, so you got to play match back to back to back three matches again. You're not even adjusted to the the time change, uh, zone change. Uh, you're beat up and tired. You've been traveling for five weeks already, and these girls still need to go compete. And then from Argentina, we go who knows where. So life of a, is adventurous as much as it's uh, really tiring. So um, these these guys and girls are doing some crazy stuff. Yeah, it makes it even all the more impressive, the games that they end up playing after all that travel, even when they're so exhausted. Very true. Uh, they're true professionals. Everything comes to play, how they rest, how they eat, how they train, mm -hmm. how they meditate, how they take care of their bodies, their machines. Their bodies are their machines, and they got to take care of them 24-7. Yeah. There's no day offs. Even when they have day off, they got to be active, and yeah. they don't have many days off. That's really cool to think about all of those athletes. I think we we just watch the games and we don't really think about all of the travel and all the other things that go into it. We just watch these athletes compete and that's impressive on its own. But with all that background to hear you talk about it, that's impressive for those athletes. Yeah, we see only the nice part on yeah. TV. Uh, we don't see the rest, which is not so nice, but it's exciting, thrilling and rewarding at the end of the day. Yeah, and also fun that you guys get to travel around the world like that and good experience for all of those, those athletes and for the coaching staff. Yeah, within five weeks, you, like I said, you go US and then China and maybe Thailand and Japan and then you jump on the plane to Brazil and then you end up Germany or Turkey two weeks later. And you get to experience a little bit of cuisine and cuisine and people and co not a ton though because it's all airport hotel venues and back to hotel rest every now and then we have an afternoon off where we can go and discover cultures and unknown you said that your most memorable experience was when you went from was it china to argentina but what where would you say your favorite place that you've traveled has been oh there's many many mm -hmm. places um 
I like to travel a lot. My family and I, every time we have a chance, we love to travel. We, want, we, we love to go somewhere. I would say probably my favorite or our favorite three years as a family was actually being in Utah. Utah has so much to offer, just basically locally. Mountains, we like to ski, and then you go down south, you have Zion, Bryce, and all these amazing national parks, and we like that a lot. So USA has to offer a lot. So I really like what these states, especially here on the west coast, west side of the country, have to offer. So I don't need to go far to be really happy where I'm at. I don't think I have a favorite place, but if I, if we have to, I would, if I would have to rank outside the U.S., I would say probably Istanbul, Turkey is number one. I like that area a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of people, uh, maybe Serbia as a country with the capital city of Belgrade have a lot to offer, really good cuisine, nice people, a lot to see. Where I'm coming from, Slovenia, Ljubljana capital is one of those jewels right now. They've been rated top 10 a few years in a row, places to go see. Um, That's awesome. It's also, yeah, we have a lot of American tourists there and people coming from all over the world. Uh, But if I go out of of that, uh, say Istanbul, probably number one. I like Belgrade, Serbia a lot. And I'm a fan of Japan in general. Uh, Anything that has to do with Japan, with the culture, people, food, how they're organized, how clean everything is. I'm a big fan of that. So every time we go to Japan, I know we're in good hands. Yeah, that's that's really great. I love that you highlighted some the places that you've lived. Like you weren't just counting out some of the, like where you grew up and also Utah. I feel like sometimes we forget about the beauty that's around us all the time. I'm from Utah and there's there is a lot to see here and there's a lot to take in and do around here and also where you grew up like that's so cool that you are willing to like take a look and realize that you are in beautiful places all the time i think when you travel a lot that's how i see myself when you travel a lot you recognize you realize that sometimes just around the corner or just the st- down the street or maybe an hour away from your house you actually have a lot of nice and good things mm-hmm. place in places to go and that's how i feel about utah that's how i feel about back home, Slovenia as well. It's a small country, but you have Alps. You can ski an hour later, you can go and jump into the Adriatic, Adriatic Sea, or you can go to one of many lakes. So within an hour, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, lots and of- that's very, things. very unique, very unique. Yeah, that sounds so awesome. I love that. S- similar to Utah, except we don't exactly. have the ocean near. Yeah, that's- Yeah, but a lot of lakes and you can ski amazing outdoors. People are nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a lot of mountains and desert. It's just yeah, so much in Utah. Uh, we really like Utah. Definitely a beautiful world that we live in. It's fun to get to experience it and see. Yeah, exactly. If you were an athlete wanting to play for a team at university or even in the Olympics because you have experience there, what would your advice to that athlete be? Yeah, you have to commit to what you really want the most. And if you want to go and play for university team, you need to understand that academics are extremely important for you to actually even get on the team, to be academically strong enough to get yourself on on campus. And -hmm. of course, you got to be good at the sport that you're really good at, either volleyball, basketball, football, whatever that is. Those are two prerequisites 
for you to be able to do that. Uh, yeah. Even later on, after you're done with college, you just got to commit and that's a lifestyle. It cannot be that's one of things on my list. There's probably three things on your list. And one of them is academics. One of them is sports. And then maybe social life is number three, but how that social life interferes with number one and two, it's really important. You cannot expect to have same social life and experience in your social life like anybody else, like just maybe a regular student population on your on the campus. Yeah. And it's you gotta prioritize and have really good routines and really good at time management to be able to do that. Otherwise, you're gonna have an average experience, you might even fail, which is okay, and you learn from that. But mm -hmm. to be successful, a lot of things must be put in place. And one of them is you need to decide what you really want. And if you don't have an answer, it's going to be a tough one for you. Yeah, that's great advice. I really like that, that you just need, you need to understand what comes in to being an athlete at university. And there's a lot of, a lot of dedication that needs to come with that. Yeah, and when we talk to recruits right now, that's what we tell them. This is what we can promise. We're going to work you hard. You'll have to be learner. We'll be learners with you. We're going to teach you a bunch. You'll have to change. That's all I can promise. I cannot promise you will ever start. I cannot promise you you will ever dress up. But I can promise you we're going to work you hard. We're going to develop you as a student athlete. And if that doesn't sound something you want to do, then you got to go somewhere else. Yeah. And we're pretty, pretty... Um, straight between the eyes about that even though I'm talking to somebody that might change my program around or our program around but I don't want to uh, spend 75 or 80 percent of my energy with somebody that's not willing to adapt and be good for the team usually we'll pass on that one and also they need to understand that we're gonna do whatever we can to foster your strengths to be able to um, express yourself uh, to do things maybe a little bit differently if you're really good at those things but there's times where you'll need to change and learn and, and adapt a lot of times like the best athletes are the ones that realize that their coaches are there not to pick on them when they point out things that they need to do better but to understand that that's that's them seeing the potential in that athlete and that's them knowing that they can they can help make them a better athlete I completely agree and unfortunately uh, too many coaches are getting in trouble because they're too tough on kids. Of course, there's ways to be tough on kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but often, often uh, what coaches want to do and want to achieve, it's misinterpreted and we get in trouble. So we got to be extra cautious, cautious how we go about things, how we're trying to achieve and make some changes with our student athletes. Well, thank you. That's such great advice for all of the athletes that might be listening to this podcast. And um, hopefully they are able to take that into heart and, and know better how to prepare to play for university or maybe the Olympics. You are absolutely right. Um, we're trying to help. We're trying to advise more than anything else and just guide our kids uh, to their end goal. And I think that's our, our job. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. My last question for you is just, I know you had the Olympics that was supposed to be coming up this summer. Um, it's been postponed, but in the meantime, do you have any other upcoming adventures that you are excited about? I mean, the biggest adventure right now is how to survive this quarantine, you know, <laughs> how to yeah. handle the whole thing. But as you know, you know, I'm, uh, I'm double dipping here working for USA and NC State and 
it's a non-stop it's, it's monday through sunday and then monday starts again yeah um so that's an adventure trying to problem solve daily knowing that probably within 24 hours your your uh, the problem that was probably solved it's not solvable anymore or the the plan that you put in place it's no good so it's a continuous uh, work here in progress and uh, i think we're learning a lot from this situation so yeah it looks like uh there's not going to be a ton of opportunities for us to compete with usa this summer knowing that olympics are being postponed until next year mm-hmm. now we have to make sure once we can to prepare our national team players to be strong and healthy when they go back and play professionally uh, to Europe or Asia or Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with NC State, it's just how can we stay somehow in shape and in good academic shape and physical shape when once we come back, we can safely, emphasis on safely, go and play some volleyball. If we're going to be allowed to do that, uh, not knowing what this coronavirus and the restrictions bring for fall sports. We know the spring sports were all canceled. All the competitions were canceled just recently. Yeah. And now we're hoping that's not the case for, for fall sports because we really want our athletes to have opportunity to have this amazing experience being student athlete. Yeah, go back to normal because yeah. <laughs> um, this is not normal right now. So yeah, just back to not. normal. That's plan number one. We are excited to watch your team at NC State play and hopefully be able to compete in a normal season. And we're excited to also watch when the USA team gets to go and finally compete in the Olympics when, when, that, gets to, when that gets to happen, when it's not postponed anymore. We're excited to watch the success of those two teams that you're a part of. We are excited as well. A lot of work ahead of us, um, but we're going to be just fine. Uh, I do not fear that as long as we're going to stay course and uh, believe in uh, what we're doing and uh, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do right now in the right way uh, to keep us sane and strong and mentally ready uh, for the next adventures. Thank you so much for letting us get a glimpse into your your life and as a coach and into the life of your teens. It was super great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, 35,000 Feet. Thank you for inviting me and um, all the best. Thanks for listening to the 35,000 Feet Podcast, where we chat with interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. Do you have a story that you want to share? Visit www.acanela.com slash podcast to share your story and be featured on our next episode of 35,000 Feet.